Hello and welcome to the C3 Sunderland podcast. We are so glad that you're here. We're believing that you'll be filled with faith and encouraged by hope as you tune into this message today. We are launching a brand new message series called Holy Ground. And we're going to be taking a look over the next few weeks of Moses's encounter with God at the burning bush, what that did in him and what that produced through his life going out from that moment. So I'd love to begin this today by um, checking this passage out in scripture in Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. I'd love it if you could join me in reading along with this. This is what the word of God says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. It's a lot of ites for one day. But listen to this in verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are repressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want to declare today that what God is doing right now in our community is getting us ready for a move, for people coming home and for captives being set free. You know, when we look around at our church right now, we are blown away by what God is doing. When we look at the people he's gathering, when we look at the relationships and connections he's establishing, we are so, so encouraged. We're so thankful for this rich and wonderful community of faith that God is building in our midst. And as we come into this new back to school, back to September season, we just really sense the Holy Spirit saying to us, It's time to get ready for growth. I want to declare today, just as it says in scripture, that the harvest is ripe. All across our city, there are people who are trapped. There are people who are in captivity. There are people who need set free by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I firmly believe that what God wants to do in this season is to freshly set us apart as a church, as a family of believers, as his body, 
to bring freedom wherever we go. In the same way that God commissioned Moses to say, go and set my people free. I feel like that what, that's what God is wanting to get into our heart, into our spirit in this season, that we are to be carriers of freedom everywhere we go. I also firmly believe that just like Moses, it starts with a holy ground moment. When Moses met God at the burning bush, everything changed for him. His whole worldview, his whole outlook, the way he was living, the direction he was going, the way he saw himself, everything changed. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some different things that this kind of holy ground space might mean for us. But today, I want to focus on holy ground as a place of encounter. As we enter into this season, I believe that God is calling each of us into a deeper, richer, broader, more alive experience of who he is. When you experience something amazing, the most natural thing in the world is to let it overflow to those around you. We've just been away on our holidays recently to Scotland and one of the things that we did was get the ferry from the mainland over to the Isle of Skye. And as we were on the ferry, um, our friends Anna and Aidan, who we were on holiday with, and Aidan all of a sudden shouted at the top of his voice, dolphins, there's dolphins. And it just kind of kicked up this moment of frenzy of where everyone on the deck for the next kind of 15, 20 minutes was running from one side of the boat to the other to try and get the best view of these dolphins. And it was amazing. Everyone was exclaiming. Everyone was shouting. Everyone was so excited by what they were experiencing that it was really difficult to keep it inside. And I think, you know, that is the kind of excitement, that is the kind of level of things just naturally bubbling out of our lives that our experience and encounters with God should lead to. It should be impossible for us to keep Jesus to ourselves. It should be impossible to hide the transformation that he's doing in our lives. It should be impossible for us to keep under wraps his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his love, his power. You know, God is a God who invites everyone to taste and see how good he is. And what I want us to grab hold of today is that we are a big part of God's plan to reveal his character, to reveal his nature, to reveal who he is to the world around us. When you experience God, it's pretty impossible for your life not to shout about it, for people not to notice that change in you. And that is why it is so important that we are experiencing regular encounter with the living God, that we have connecting to that source that's then going to overflow to the world around us. Having said that, there are definite ebbs and flows to our experience of God. I know for myself, I've had times where I've, I've experienced God really closely and times where he's felt further away. And that can be for all kinds of reasons. You know, sometimes God uh, does distance himself from us to draw us closer, to increase our, our hunger, our pursuit of him, or to forge something on the inside of us. But if I was to make some honest reflections today, more often than not, when God feels far away, 
it's much more to do with my heart posture, with how much I'm making room for him in my life than it is to do with him. Perhaps you can relate to that today. Like, I know I want to start my day in prayer, but oh, that snooze button is so tempting. I know I want to spend more time in God's word, but there's dishes to be done, there's commutes to be undertaken, there's kids to get to school, there's life admin that won't do itself. And it just kind of makes its way slowly down that list of priorities. I know that Sabbath, taking 24 hours once a week to intentionally rejoice in spending time in God's presence, to do things that make my soul come alive is so life-giving and essential. But sometimes when it comes to it, it can be really tempting to just sort of slump in front of Netflix and make my way through the latest series that I want to watch. Hopefully I'm not alone. Well, hopefully I am alone, but maybe relate to that today too. The good news is it's always a good time to press reset. It's always a good day to say, Lord, here I am. I want to draw close to you once again. And for the rest of our time together today, I want to take us to a really interesting tension in Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush that I'm hoping will potentially hit some reset buttons in the way that we relate to God and that will launch us into a new season of connection and encounter with him. I want to invite you to lean in in this moment and really pay attention to what the Holy Spirit might be prompting you in today. The tension that I want us to look at is this. God is to be approached with both reverence and with familiarity. Let's read verse five again from Exodus three. God says to Moses, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, there's one really obvious meaning that I think for most of us, if we've read this story before, we take from this encounter. And that's the obvious one of taking off your shoes, being a sign of humility, a sign of reverence, a sign of recognising how holy, how awesome, how incredible God is. God is so holy. God is so perfect. God is so just. God is so true. God is so faithful. God is so incredible that apart from the work of Jesus on the cross, as human beings, we cannot be in the same space as God. We couldn't handle it. We would combust. We would, um, like, it's like that, the best moment where it captures it for me in the scripture is that moment where Isaiah sees God seated on his throne and his response isn't one of joy and worship. His response is one of fear and trembling. He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips and I have seen the living God. He's like... He was so aware of his life is in the hands of God. And I think often we do read God's command to Moses to take off his shoes with this meaning of reverence in mind. And that's really important. We're going to come back to that in a second. Because also in Moses' culture and often in ours today, taking off your shoes is also a sign of familiarity. 
Imagine coming into someone's home, being invited over the threshold, taking off your shoes as you come into someone's house, into someone's space, into someone's life. It's a sign of intimacy and friendship. To be admitted into someone's home and for you to honour that space and that friendship by leaving your shoes at the door. It's a beautiful thing. I absolutely love the sight of a big pile of shoes in our hallway on a group's night. I think, yes, this is a good sign. It's a sign of a space of establishing deeper connection and family. It's a sign of a safe space. It's a sign of a life-giving space. And so in the way that we relate to God, we're invited to come with both reverence and familiarity. And they're like two sides of a balancing scale. Because here's the thing, I think for all of us, we naturally lean towards one or the other in in the way that we relate to God. There might even be aspects of our lives that lean one way or another within ourselves. For example, to share a completely non-personal and unrelatable scenario here. Lord, I will absolutely honour you with my tithe before anything else comes out of my bank account. I'll even tithe on that pre-tax amount, God, because um, I'm exercising all of my reverence here. I'm giving you everything, Jesus. All glory to you. But I kind of don't want you to have a say in any other budgeting aspects of my life. I want to take the remaining 90% and just kind of keep that to myself. You can stay away from that, Lord. I'll just keep this in my hands. However, if you could give me some of that peace that passes all understanding when I've overspent on something or I'm feeling a bit anxious or guilty, best friend Jesus, that would be amazing. Perhaps you can relate today with your own sliding scale scenario where you're kind of floating between this place of reverence and familiarity with God and rather than holding them in tension, they're kind of floating around a little bit in how we relate. So let's see if we can untangle some of these knots a little bit over the next few minutes. Firstly, let's talk about reverence. The danger of reverence without familiarity is that it can keep us at a distance from a loving God who longs to walk with us daily and know us intimately. Simply put, Reverence without familiarity leads to burnout. We can end up doing all the right things, but without a heart connection to the living God that we're doing them for. Like I know all the right things to do. I'm going to serve my heart out. I'm going to give. I'm going to be nice to people at work. I'm going to prefer others over myself. I'm going to even operate in spiritual gifts. I'm going to do all the things that Jesus says I should do. And on the outside, we look like good Christians. But without that life-giving connection to Jesus, we're actually just going through the religious motions. And the truth is, is, there's then none of that overflow of all the life and grace and truth and freedom that God has for us pouring out to the world around us. It cuts it short. We're tired, we're worn out, we're just about keeping it together, but are getting a little bit frayed around the edges. What do we need to reset? 
Well, it's our life-giving connection to Jesus. I love Jesus's words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will, that's a promise, find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, the cry of Jesus' heart today is that you would come into his house and kick off your shoes and make yourself at home in his presence. You know, there's nothing going on in our lives that Jesus doesn't want to be involved with. There's nothing, um, no decisions that you're making right now, whether it's a big decision, whether it's what to have for tea, that Jesus doesn't care about. He wants to be involved in every single part of our lives. God wants you to know that he wants to know you. When God called to Moses from the bush, he actually said his name twice. He wasn't just like, Moses, oi, come over here. He says, Moses, Moses. And that often happens in the Bible. Martha, Martha, Simon, Simon. Of God using our names twice. And the reason it does, the the meaning it gives to that is of both recognition and importance. God wants you to know today he sees you and he places value on you. God wants to know and be known by you. We're not just called to a life of good moral behaviour but of deep, life-giving, overflow-creating connection with him. And that's found in prayer. It's found in setting aside time to be with him daily, to speak and to listen, to be on this journey of including Jesus in our day-to-day, moment-to-moment lives more and more and more. It might start with stirring up that first thing in the morning, prayer time with God. But as you go to work, there's still that connection of conversation with him. As you're taking the kids to school, you're chatting away to God in your mind as you do so. As you're in that meeting, you're inviting God into that space to go with you, to speak to you, to give you wisdom. As you're cleaning the house, You're inviting God to come and meet you in everything that you're doing. Kick off your shoes and come into the living room of his presence. Now let's talk about the other side of the scale, familiarity. The danger of familiarity without reverence is that we can forget that God is a holy God who will one day put right all that is wrong in the world. And familiarity without reverence leads to compromise. That means that we can almost be like quite easily prone to living under grace, but with little change and transformation in our lives that comes from a relationship with God. Like, Jesus, I know you're my saviour. I've prayed that prayer. I know that on the other side of eternity, I will be with you because I have said yes to you in my life. But for right now, I would actually prefer to live my life in reference to what I think and want rather than what you would say, rather than what you might be calling me to do. 
after all, there's grace. We know Jesus wants a relationship with us. We know he's always there waiting graciously, kindly and patiently. But what that can sometimes do is lead to this like one more mindset. Oh, just one more day, then I'll kickstart my prayer life. Just one more episode, then I'll pick up my Bible. Just one more sin, then I'll repent. One more, one more, one more of whatever that might be. We desire friendship with Jesus, but we don't always want to invite him into the nitty gritty day to day parts of our lives. I think that's because we sometimes know that truly honouring him might just cost us some of our comfort, some of our safety, some of the things that seem like they're meeting our needs right now. Again, on the outside, we can look like we love Jesus, but because we're not fully including him in every area of our lives, there's a level of compromise that's actually stopping us from experiencing the true extent of life-giving overflow that he has for us. So what do we need to reset? Our awe of God. Our serious consideration of what he has called us to, where we're at and where we're at in living that out. Our response to Jesus' invitation to be renewed and transformed by his life-giving friendship. We're not just living for a comforting sort of bestie encounter that he graciously allows us to experience from time to time. But we want that true communion, that true life-giving relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus has not just called us to a lifetime of feel-good experiences, but of true, intimate, set-apart, holy connection to him. Once again, that's found and established and maintained in prayer. It's found in devoting all of our lives to him daily. It's found in inviting him to speak into the soft places in our hearts. It's found in offering our decisions, our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, our challenges, the the things that wind us up, the things that lift us up, everything. It's about coming, laying them down at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, have your way. Now, I'm aware I've perhaps exaggerated some examples there. I also really do think it's possible to be caught in between the two different um, things, familiarity and reverence, in different parts of our lives. But what I want us to grab with fresh urgency today is that Jesus is inviting us into a lifetime of deep, regular, powerful intimate encounter with him as we hold these two things reverence and familiarity hand in hand i want to wrap up today by taking us to a really sobering passage in matthew 7 21 to 23 this is why we really need to take this call to a holy ground moment of encounter seriously it says this this is jesus speaking not everyone who says to me Lord, 
Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. This is one of those things that Jesus says that puts the absolute fear of God in me. What is Jesus saying here? As simply as possible in the time that we have left. Yes, we get to call Jesus friend. Yes, we get to call Jesus Lord. And we need to relate to him in both of those ways together. Jesus is not just calling us to a life of actions for him, but a life of connection. Jesus is not just calling us to a life of connection, but a life of fruitful action and service to him. He's calling us to day by day, moment by moment, have our lives transformed from the inside out as we rest and as we remain in him. One day when we stand before him, our lives will be judged, not only according to what we've done, but by the way that we've known him. If we want to hear Jesus say that he knew us in this life, in this moment, in this time, we've got to count the cost. I really believe that God is about to do something amazing. I'm so desperate to see God move in my time and place. And it starts with his people saying, Lord, here I am. It starts with a fresh moment of encounter. It starts with holy ground. And I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series as we continue it through this month. But I'd just love to wrap up today by inviting you in this moment to respond to God. What is it that you need to come and bring before him? Perhaps it's you know you've been relating to God reverently, but not as a friend. And today you need to respond to that call to kick off your shoes and come into his presence. Perhaps for you, it's almost like God's become this really familiar, comfy thing in your life and you've forgotten the awe and magnificence of God and you know you need to come back to him and say Lord you are amazing Lord I revere you with my whole life Lord take all that I am would you put it through your refining fire would you once again come and breathe on my life and say I'm fire for you whatever it is today I just love to lead us in a prayer of surrender to God and I'm really believing that as we do the Holy Spirit is going to meet you where you're at so, Lord, we just come before you in this moment. We acknowledge that we're standing on holy ground. And, Lord, we take off our shoes. We take off our shoes to acknowledge who you are. Lord, we want to revere you with our whole lives. We want to do the things that you've said. And we dedicate our lives to you afresh in this moment. 
Lord, we also take off our shoes in the way someone would if they were coming into a house. And Lord, in this moment, we return to your presence once again. We thank you for your invitation. We thank you for your closeness. We thank you for the life and the freedom that we have in you. Lord, would you take our hearts and transform them and let who you are flow out to the world around us. We never want to be the same from a moment in your presence. Lord, would you have your way. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you'd like to know more, visit our website at c3sunderland.church or follow us on Instagram at c3sunderland. We'll see you next time.